You are currently listening to the Mind Your Business series, a series where I interview entrepreneurs within the vegan community. I am your host, Shalina of the Sweet Tooth Vegan Podcast. And for those of you that have been listening to the podcast for a while, you would know that I first introduced this series last year. So in this second installment, I have all Canadian guests. I'm so excited, as you could probably tell. Um, I always get excited whenever I have fellow Canadians on my podcast. Um, so yeah, I had the privilege of interviewing Melissa of East End Vegan, Katerina of Dolled Up Desserts, Amandla of Bartholomew Sisters, Damien and Charlene of Melanated Vegan, and Inyoto of Plant-Based Milkshake. So sit back and relax, and I hope that you gain some insightful knowledge and tips on how to build your brand. You are currently listening to episode 27, and in this episode, I interviewed Katerina of Dolled Up Desserts. Talking and getting to know Katerina was definitely uh, a treat, no pun intended. I was truly inspired by her story and her business accomplishments, and I hope one day I could um, have similar accomplishments as well. So she's definitely a huge inspiration for me. Uh, We start off this episode by playing a icebreaker game called Favorite Five. So without further ado, here is episode 27. What's your favorite pastime? Um, It used to be baking, but now that's my full-time job. Uh, So my favorite pastime other than baking would be uh, swing dancing. Oh, okay. I've never yeah, tried that. so that I've been swing fun. dancing for a number of years now for fun, and I don't do it as much as I'd like to, but swing dancing. Nice. For me, it's uh, singing. I love singing uh, with my siblings, and like we, Lovely. yeah, we just like to randomly sing old school stuff. We try like harmonizing games whenever we're bored. <laughs> What's old school stuff? Uh, like eighties music. 90s, nice. Yeah. So like, what like artists? Like, are you uh, like Janet? We like. Um, we went through a phase where we were into New Edition. Okay. Um, Michael Jackson, Earth, Wind, and Fire. They're like way old. Oh my god! <laughs> I would love to hear your like you sing and your renditions of it. Oh my gosh! <sighs> Maybe another day. <laughs> Okay. I don't like to be put on the spot. <laughs> okay, no worries. Well, yeah. Fine, that's fun, fine. Yeah. Maybe consider a YouTube channel one day. Uh, anyway. True, okay, true. Cool, cool, cool. Um, so, yeah, that's my favorite pastime. Next question cool. is, what's your favorite birthday present that you've ever received? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, I have to think now. Um... Oh my gosh, I don't even remember a lot of my birthday presents or like birthday things that I've done. Oh my gosh. Like in my family, especially where like with my, when I was younger too, the biggest thing for me with birthdays was more about experiences and doing things Mm -hmm. rather than um, like giving gifts. So my parents, always be like okay well we're going to this place or we're gonna go do this or you know like or I'd get to have a really fun fancy party like I love going for high tea and so we would go for high tea and I get to invite my friends and high tea is really expensive so that was my birthday present but I was totally okay with that because I enjoyed doing that um favorite but like item wise I don't know I guess like one of my favorite gifts I guess was like I I guess just a couple years ago I was for this event called Viva Las Vegas, which is like a rockabilly weekend, like oh, wow. all cars, music, and fashion, and everything. And it was a, it was my birthday weekend, and so um, I guess my favorite birthday present was, you know, when I was there, I was there with my partner, and um, we went out that night to uh, some do some fun uh, Las Vegas things. You probably assume what that would be. <laughs> so, night with him. Um, had many dances. Uh, it was nice. great, <laughs> to say the least. That sounds 
like fun. Yeah, Las Vegas, yeah. cool. Yeah, that was that was a really good birthday party. We went there in a limo, and yeah, it was super over the top, but it was really fun. Nice. <laughs> What's your favorite birthday present? Um, for me, one that sticks out is like from my childhood. Um, so when I was a kid, I really enjoyed playing with Barbies. I was half my Barbies. My mom saved them all. Oh wow! I don't know what happened to mine. I don't know if you remember. It was a Barbie trailer. It was pink. It was purple. (gasps) You got a trailer? Oh my god! I'm so jealous. (laughs) Oh my gosh! That is the cool. I I I had a friend who had a trailer. most ballin barbie accessory that's so cool yeah and i and you could record on it like it had a little pa system thing um so yeah oh that's so that's pretty ballin i'm not gonna lie that's really cool (laughs) yeah so that's that was my favorite birthday present that like comes to the top of my mind amazing well that's 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 a that's a good one and so it's very i can understand why (laughs) Yeah. Um, so next question is, what's your favorite thing to bake? It changes right now. Like, especially, it changes depending on what I'm working on. So, like, I usually like baking new things, and I love research and development and, like, figuring out a recipe, especially when it's not vegan and trying to make it vegan and then trying to make it taste, like, better than mm-hmm. its non-vegan counterpart. So right now, I'm my favorite things to bake is like laminated pastries. So like doing things like croissants or pop tarts or anything that's got flake to it, which is incidentally my favorite thing to eat in a baked good. I love scones. I love mm. croissants. I love anything that's flaky and like crispy like that and not too sweet necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's like my favorite thing right now. It's a pain in the butt to make, but they're, they're really fun and delicious to eat. So it's worth it. Mm, yeah. What's your favorite? My favorite thing, similar to you, is scones. I love pumpkin spice scones. Scones are so good. Yeah, I love scones. I love scones. <laughs> mm-hmm. Especially like, especially like when they're properly flaky and crispy on the outside, but soft on the inside. Yes. A little bit. Um, I made clotted cream out of like seventy-five percent fat coconut cream and some like pickled raspberry jam. Oh, oh so good. wow, that so does sound good. I'm a, I'm a high tea fan, so I love the classic scone with tea and clotted cream and jam. Nice. <laughs> uh, next one is, what's your favorite season? Um, my favorite season uh, is spring. Hmm. Uh, but spring doesn't really exist in Canada. It usually just goes from, like, minus 20 to, like, plus 20 in, like, yes. two days, definitely. <laughs> um, but, like, a proper spring, like, when I grew I like spring a lot because uh, my birthday is in spring. I was born in April. Um, but I like spring because of, you know, rebirth of life. Um, like, spring growing up, too, was Easter time, and Easter time meant lots of chocolate from the Easter bunny, and lots of fresh flowers, and I got to wear my pretty colorful dresses again, you know, and you kind of, like, are leaving behind all of the crap from winter, finally, and it's starting to get a little bit warmer, and you get to wear, like, you know, you to wear a jacket outside, necessarily, so I like spring for those reasons. Nice. For me, I'm complete opposite. <laughs> I, I enjoy spring. But um, I like as a kid, I loved winter. Um, like, you love winter? Yeah, I know. People think I'm crazy. <laughs> yes, you are crazy. <laughs> Why aren't you outside right now? Like, for everybody listening, it is like literally that day, the first yeah. fall of yeah, 2019, where it's like 20 centimeters of snow already. Yeah. So, love it. <laughs> yeah, today I stayed in though, like doing some work, podcast stuff. But, like, as a kid, I would love playing in the snow with my friends, making forts. Um, just, like, I don't know, it just really... I, I guess it never left me as a kid, the winter. But I hate driving in it. That's the only thing I oh, don't like. tell me about it. I know it's so dangerous. Yeah. So, as, yeah, I would say winter because I'm still, like, a lot of childhood memories are connected Uh to winter and then 
Um, yeah, I would say second would be spring for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, and then our last question for the game is, what's your favorite genre of music? Oh, um, my favorite genre of music, tried and true, is uh, 90s alternative rock. Mm. Uh, so bands like Green Day, My Chemical Romance, Foo Fighters, um, who else is on that that I could really put out? Like, just put, like, any of the, like, you know, that teenage scene rock, uh, like Fall Boy, um, Panic at the Disco, Paramore, Versa Emerge, any of those bands, like, regardless, I can always go back to and listen to oh, Muse. Oh, my God, I love Muse so much. Uh, but their old stuff, not that their new stuff is good, but their old stuff is, like, way better. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, like, 90s. No doubt, too, with a little bit of ska in there. 90s alternative rock. Nice. That's where it's at. What about you? Yeah, I'm an old school person as well. Um, I like reggae, like anything old school reggae. And, nice. And um, old school, like as I mentioned earlier, um, I guess, I don't know, Motown, I guess the genre would be. Motown, yeah. Yeah. Anything Amazing. old school I like. <laughs> Same. Yeah. yeah, I love old school. Like I like well, old school like eighties. I guess yeah. Like I, I like old school music too, but not like old school eighties. I like, you know, jazz from the twenties and thirties. Old school. So big band forties. That's the other genre of music I really like. But mm. um, yeah, that's cool. Is that the inspiration for, um, like your out, like your dolled up, I guess look style? and everything look, like that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. It is. It is basically um like all the desserts when I was creating the brand for it um I wanted to give myself an excuse to wear all of my vintage clothing more often uh because I I I vintage like vintage culture in general like clothing uh the artwork furniture music dance uh like the, the whole thing especially from fan of the 50s from 1950 to 1955 56 after that it just gets to 60s for me and then i'm a big fan of 20s especially the mid to late 20s when it comes to fashion um and so i've been a big vintage collector and thrifter um as much as my budget would allow me and uh then i got into swing dancing and jazz music uh which you know helped fuel my desire to buy more vintage clothing and into the fashion and my partner and i we do reenactments and stuff like oh, that too cool. sometimes so like reenactments like you know we'll get together with a bunch of our friends and you know all dress the nines and go to like a special event and take pictures and stuff like that that are that seem like they're in period uh, we're doing anything like that but dance has been a huge part of you know influencing that so with all the desserts i knew that i'm gonna be you know spending so many hours every single day working on this so i might as well make it something that i like and something that's related to you know pinup culture and that sort of thing so i made it very i made it very 50s housewifey with a little bit of a an edge of the late for the mid 40s with the whole you know uh, rosie the riveter we can do it kind of style so pink polka dots uh even though polka dots are super uh, very much not what the, the the fashion of the era is about and I find polka dots a very accessible fashion piece that a lot of people can wear and feel that there's something that's vintage mm-hmm. and I love polka dots too like I'd say like 50% of my closet is polka dots um, so polka dots and bandanas and pink and you know nice cursive font and yeah that kind of was the influence there is to kind of give that classic feel and that timeless feel to my brand while clashing it with something so new you know plant-based cooking gluten-free cooking kind of creating 
relentless look of the new Betty Crocker is kind of what I wanted to do with it is really make it seem like I am, you know, that familiar housewife or all the visitors of that familiar, you know, housewife figure that you can turn to when you have a question about what you're cooking and what you're making and how to make things better. But for the 21st century baker, you know, somebody who's plant based, somebody with allergies, somebody who's looking more at the ethics of ingredients. That's kind of what all the desserts is all about. Nice. And that's kind of the brand story a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really interesting. And it definitely makes you stand out from the rest, right? Because yeah, yeah, I find that nowadays, like in recent times, I mean, I've only been a vegan for two years, but like since becoming a vegan, I find that there's more people that are like doing vegan baking. Um, uh-huh. And then sometimes like when you're all in the same niche, it's hard to stick out because everyone's doing this kind of, not the same thing, but very similar. So yeah. I oh like- no, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like you'll, you'll even say like, I, I like, cause we met, um, as you were saying before, I had, um, Mrs. August, and I am willing to bet you. And like, I know this sounds a little bit co- like kind of confidence coffee, but I'm willing to bet you were drawn to my booth because of how pink we were in a sea of earthy tones, black and gray like I find I was by accident my branding for some reason uh like my branding's really stood out for me in the vegan world and the gluten-free world because most people don't choose my brand palette they don't choose my vintage look it's very much focused on you know vegan earthy sustainability which is fine but it's worked for me in my favor because and a lot of my you know people who love my brand and follow me they it's you know it's it's really refreshing to see something so beautiful and cute and you know makes you feel good inside just yeah. the brand and it's fun and right thank you yeah, yeah i agree it is really fun yeah it's really fun that i get to wear pink all the time so <laughs> i love it yeah um so you you kind of touched a little bit on uh your story the story behind dolled up desserts how long have you been running dolled up desserts I founded Dolled Up Desserts May 2016, um, and I founded, it, so it's been, it's been, what, like two, it'll almost be three years coming up this May, um, um, and I founded the company purely on a whim, believe it or not. I had no intention of it going anywhere. Uh, I just graduated from undergrad in uh, April of 2016, and um, I was going to go to the University of Chicago that fall on scholarship to do my master's of social work. Uh, so my undergrad is totally different. My undergrad's in health sciences. I went to McMaster University and did my bachelor's of health sciences with a specialization in child health and child mental health. So I'm a big research and science nerd, especially when it comes to like community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I worked as a community mental health worker for both young parents, and then I worked with people with concurrent disorders. So I was I was on a totally different path. And um, that summer, before going to school, I was just going to be working uh, in my social work job. And my partner, Michael, said to me, hey, Kat, there's this grant offered by the city of Hamilton for students to start their own business. It's $3,000. Um, you get business coaching, mentorship, I'm going to do it because he, he's, uh, he was freelancing in graphic design and advertising and he wanted to buy a new camera. And so he's like, I'm doing it. You should do it too. <laughs> and so I was, me being like the super type A go-getter fit person was like, yeah, sure. Why not? That sounds like fun. What will I do? Um, and I really didn't know at first. I was kind of confused. I, and the one thing that stood out to me is something that I'm good at that I could sell to people is baked goods. Um, I've been baking my whole life since I was a kid. Baking is a huge, huge, huge thing in my family. Uh, all the matriarchs, my grandmothers, my mom, my aunts, everybody is a super baker. Uh, and so I learned from a young age how to bake cookies. I was there helping my mom all the time mainly eating cookie dough but I you know I loved it it was part of the culture in my family is for women to cook a lot and to bake and everybody was really good at it um and so uh, my mom's also a sweet tooth so she baked for us all the time she 
she wanted to eat cookies too. So we, she could have cookies. She'd probably bake like two or three times a week when we were growing up. Um, and so I learned how to do that. I learned that behavior. And even in university, I baked for myself twice a week. Um, I'd bake muffins one day and then bake uh, cookies or, you know, brownies another day. And so I knew one day I was like, I definitely want to the bakery but I thought I would do that you know after I've done saving the world and everything else that I wanted to accomplish it was kind of like a very much a back burner idea but I said okay you know what let's do it I have this opportunity it'll be a fun summer gig and um yeah let's just go um and I did the gluten-free and vegan focus because um I'm allergic to dairy and eggs and uh during university, I became allergic to a bunch of other things, including gluten and meats and different legumes and all these things. I'm, a lot, I'm better now. My digestive is a lot better. But uh, in university, I basically taught myself how to bake for my allergies. And, and I got decent at it. And I knew that there were no good gluten-free or vegan options in Hamilton. So I said, yeah, let's just, you know, go out there and start some stuff that's gluten-free and and I know my stuff tastes good so let's try it Mm. um and so I started I just I had okay I had no idea what I was doing I don't know what I'm doing but at that time I really didn't know what I was doing so I just you know I can't I had a few recipes that were standard and I took my treats I made little samples and I went to a couple of like local coffee shops and was like hey I go here and drink coffee and you want to have good gluten-free vegan options here's some samples try my stuff you're gonna like it and uh they were like oh my gosh we hear you we have people coming in all the time asking free vegan options and they tried it and they're like wow your stuff is actually tasty and it doesn't taste bad it's actually really good i like it a lot and so they took me on and so within a month i had three like three customers buying from me weekly wow yeah, it was that quick, and so I, um, by the end of the summer, I'd done, like, a veg fest, and, you know, it's, things seemed like were pretty good, and my gut inside was like, you know what, like, the universe doesn't do things like this very often, businesses aren't this successful this quickie, and this is me talking from somebody who knows nothing about business, mind you, so I just thought that it's perfect, everything's working out, let's just, yeah, let's just do this, so I, my, like, I've learned over the years to really stop trying to stick to the plan and just, you know, if opportunity presents itself, take the opportunity. And I was like, school can wait. I haven't committed to anything. So I called up the University of Chicago and I'm like, I'm not coming. Uh, and they're like, okay, no problem. And so, yeah, and that's kind of how it all started. Wow. <laughs> and it went from there. That is so interesting. Wow. Off, Thank you. Definitely off a whim, but then it worked out. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, it worked out, like, just that there was a need. The need, I, I saw the need in Hamilton for some good gluten-free and vegan baked goods. And, yeah, that was needed to be met by somebody who kind of knew what they were doing. So, mm-hmm. and, like, compared to Toronto, the options are very, very slim here in Hamilton. Um, there, when I started, there was really only one or two other people who were doing, like, vegan baked goods and they were kind of more from like the health conscious focus rather than from the oh my gosh it's a tasty cookie or brownie and it tastes like brownie it doesn't taste like something that wants to be a brownie it tastes like a legit fudgy fat brownie Mm. and that's kind of how I've always wanted to go about doing this because you know the health part yeah it's one thing but for me if you're gonna have a treat, have a treat. You know, right. I don't want to pretend and tell myself that, you know, eating this cookie that's made with maple sugar is technically better for me. It's not. Your body's gonna process it the exact same way as it would if you were using white sugar. So just use the white sugar and have a treat instead of being disappointed. That's my two cents. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool. So I I really like your confidence. So you just literally went to those shops and it was like, hey try my stuff yeah yeah <laughs> seriously a, I did it in a much more professional way obviously like, yeah. I had my little nervous pitch being like uh, 
just talking about, you know, there's the need for this, and I think that these would be a good option to have in your store. Like, it was a lot more organized, uh, rather than me just going and being like, look, I need you to buy these. Like, <laughs> I know they're good. Like, I didn't do it that way. I, I had, like, a fly way of doing it. Okay. It was a little bit more professional. Uh, but it was, it would be, but the need was there. I just went in and explained the importance. Like, in any good business pitch, when you're trying to get a customer, you've got to explain where the gap is in their market and how you can fill it. And so I gap in their market and I filled it and that worked out at that, at that time that worked out. Wow. And that all happened within the, the year that you got that grant. Oh, that happened in the first like four months. First four like, months. But wow. that was just starting. Yeah. And I had, I got, by the end of the summer I had like maybe like five or six people like different, you know, cafes or, um, dessert restaurants or even the McMaster University was buying stuff for some of their uh, on-campus stores. They had a network too, right? Like I, I knew certain people, like the university was really easy for me because I just uh, emailed the manager of one of the on-campus uh, stores called the Union Market and was like, look, I'm a recent grad. Um, I know you guys don't have any good vegan options on campus. Give my stuff a try. And they tried it and they liked it. And actually I've met quite a few, I met some of my employees because they were Mac students and it's allowed me to really keep a connection as an alumni with McMaster. Uh, when I was doing wholesale, I don't do it anymore. Um, but when I was doing it at the time, it really gave me a good connection to connect with other students from my faculty who were vegan or people who were like, oh my gosh, I have your treat all the time. Every two, like, you know, my night class on Wednesdays, I go to Union Market and I have your dolls of cookie. And it's literally the one thing I look forward to every week because mm-hmm. there's no other vegan options on campus. And, you know, when you hear things like that, you're just like, damn, like, that's amazing. I'm so glad that I could provide you something you can enjoy. Because when you have multiple allergies or you're vegan, and I'm sure you know this, like, when you have these, just don't, the options suck. And it's really sad and disheartening to go somewhere and be mm-hmm. like, oh, I, you can't have this. Right? Yeah, definitely. Or you can just have the salad with no dressing on it. Or you can't have a cookie. You can have this raw like nut ball that has no sugar in it. I don't want that. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> you know, like, I don't yeah. want that. I want the cookie. <laughs> so, like, that's, that's a big, that's my social work influence coming into Dalton. Like, the whole purpose of Dalton Desserts is to create, uh, we're, well, our mission statement currently is to inspire people uh, to eat and bake inclusive desserts. Uh, hashtag inclusive dessert is our way of communicating people inclusive dessert is dessert that's you know free of allergens includes people and politically and ethically is uh, making a statement to give everybody the power to enjoy delicious dessert whenever wherever whether they bake it themselves and they feel that confidence and that excitement to be able to eat something delicious or they're out somewhere and they're getting to enjoy it with friends or family mm-hmm. and that to me is what all the desserts all about is creating those experiences through dessert which is something that we communicate with people we communicate love and joy comfort through food mm-hmm. uh, especially dessert and to be able to give people that inclusive dessert that not just you know us vegans or people with celiac disease can enjoy it, but even, you know, your, your Nona who literally is crying because you don't eat butter anymore, <laughs> uh, but Nona can even enjoy it. Like that's a win in my opinion. And that means like that is true and close is when anybody can enjoy it. Right. Yeah. That's so. fascinating. That's amazing. Very inspiring. <laughs> thank too. you. And I, I love Oh, your... thank you. <laughs> yeah. I love your passion. Um, for your your brand and for what you do that's amazing really refreshing thank you yeah thank you yeah it, well I this brand is me like you will see if any if you go on my social media uh, for dolled up desserts or you see any sort of media it's all like it is it, this this company is an extension of my personality and me and um, you know try I'm trying to use my energy to create a little bit more of positivity in the world, positivity in your life, contribute to the dialogue of pastry. Um, and, you know, it's, it's important. Like for me, I'm a very passionate person in general and a very enthusiastic person. 
so um, it was without question that my brand was going to be an extension. My company is going to be an extension of me. Like it just happened that way. And it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm inspired. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> I, I talk a lot. Sorry. No, no, I know. no, no. This is what it's for. This is what the podcast is for is just to give space to share stories and, you know. It's... Okay, great. No, no, it's good. Um, for, so for me, like, I started baking not not too long ago, maybe two years, as a way to cool. kind of... Um, I also wanted, like, vegan versions of things that I used to eat. And then I uh-huh. also started baking as a way to kind of escape um, anxiety and depression. Um, I've not... Like, I've experienced some of those, I experienced that, like, um, through a a past relationship I had. So, baking for other people was my way of kind of, like, turning my energy to something else and focus to something Mm -hmm. else. And healing. And baking is so therapeutic and so, like... It's, it's a meditative thing. It's very meditative to bake. Like, yes. that you work with your hands, feel connected to that, and then to be able to share that love that you've put into your baked good is just so positive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's what baking has become for me in the past couple of Amazing. years. Amazing. Yeah. So, that's beautiful. So, yeah, talking to you is very, like, inspiring because one day I want to have my own um, bakery. Um, so, yeah. Amazing. It's so keep up, girl. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, like baking for me too was like it's a hobby. Like I started off, I learned from my my the matriarchs of my family. I baked for my family and my friends, and I never like I I didn't go to school for baking. I just did a lot of it and have really high standards. And like the 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 beauty for me, and this is where really helped me stand out, not just like with brand, but with uh, what I make is the fact that I, you know, I've actually only been vegan, like fully vegan since I started the company. Mm. Um, I'm allergic to dairy and eggs, but uh, even that, I only stopped eating dairy and eggs in 2014. So um, it's, for me, I have this very, very clear understanding of what, you know, the baked goods that have those cruel ingredients in it and, you know, things that have gluten and I know what it tastes like I know what that's supposed to be and as a pastry connoisseur growing up like I I I know what good stuff tastes like and what it's supposed and so when I started you know doing recipe development and trialing and trying to bake you know dairy free and egg free and gluten free uh, if it didn't taste like what I remember it tasting like then it wasn't good enough Mm. And I kept trying and trying and trying until it was, like, as good, if not better, than its gluten or dairy or egg-containing counterpart. Mm. How I approach all of my my baking and R&D now is that if it's not as good as the thing with butter and eggs in it, then it's not going anywhere. Like, right. you've got to go back to the drawing board and do it again. Right. I, and this is where, as I was going to say, it's like, I think that's where I have a leg up compared to a lot of people. Uh, because I just, I know, like, a lot of vegan pastry chefs I talk to, a lot of them don't necessarily have that background in regular pastry. Um, or, they're, or, it's the other way, they're pastry chefs that have that background, but they're doing one or two vegan off, and they don't understand what the ingredients are and how to use them to their maximum potential, you know? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, um... I like what you said about like if you you taste it yourself and you're not satisfied, you're not gonna sell it. Like I think that's fair. Oh, <laughs> for sure. And like you have to have like if you really want to stand out, like this is like especially if you want to start your bakery, if you really want to stand out in the any food sphere or any, like food sphere, vegan, whatever, you have to be a niche, but b find what you're really or find many things you're good at making and make sure it's the best mm-hmm. like the best like everything needs to be like oh my god what is this in my mouth I can't believe that this is vegan or gluten free because it doesn't taste like it it tastes like 
the best thing ever. Um, that's that's literally like my staff and I. It's it's, it's hilarious when we eat something that we like a new t- something we've tried new and it's just off the chain. We yeah. it's just hilarious to see our like, bones are flailing. We're screaming because <laughs> it's just so good. Um, we're so weird. Um, oh, that's funny. But yeah, like that's like one big thing I would suggest if you anyone who wants to be work in the vegan sphere of food spheres how are you adding to the conversation of food mm-hmm. and what are you doing that's going to leave a mark to help inspire other people and allow you know to push the limit of what we know about gluten-free and vegan baking that's kind of what I'm saying yeah that's great in a long winded unwind out way <laughs> I said that way too long but you get my point yeah yeah, yeah I told yeah I really received that that's really great advice thanks for sharing Thank that you. Um, yeah, of course. What's some other tips or advice you could give to new bakers, um, especially those who have a gluten intolerance? So like, um, like in terms of just learning how to bake. Yeah, uh, learn how to bake. Uh, inf- information about like flours, um, how to make recipes, baking utensils, I... all sorts of. Sure. Um, so the main thing, like. I could talk about this forever, and if you really want to learn more about uh, gluten-free and or vegan baking tips and techniques, I highly suggest you check out my YouTube channel. Uh, just look up Dalton Desserts on YouTube, and you will find it there. Um, we put out a new video every week that basically outlines tips and tricks to learn how to bake gluten-free and vegan ba- like do gluten-free and vegan baking better. A lot of my recipes are based in our baking mixes, so we're not just a bakery. We actually make a whole line of gluten-free and vegan baking mixes, um, and so they're kind of like creative spin-offs of all of our baking mixes, which are a great start for just baking vegan or gluten-free for the first time because they're really simple, like ingredients, and you're well on your way to making something really tasty um but in terms of like baking from scratch or learning the number one thing i would say is don't be discouraged and don't like try and do anything too challenging in the beginning mm-hmm. um try and do things that i would try and do things that like if you're just starting out do things that are like you know, accidentally vegan or accidentally gluten-free um, like a flourless chocolate cake that's made from almond milk, that is a great place to start because you're gonna. What's gonna happen is you're gonna end up with some delicious, good results, and it just happened naturally, and it'll give you that, you know, that positive encouragement that you can do this. Because one of the most oh, hard and disheartening things about vegan and gluten-free baking is just how finicky the ingredients are and how easy it is to screw things up and it just not tasting good or just not tasting the same as you remember um especially with like gluten-free stuff oh my god like the every flower has its own taste flavor and properties and if it's not balanced correctly with all the other ingredients it's just gonna taste horrible Mm. (laughs) so um that's why people say like a lot of people have that gluten-free has a bad rep of tasting like cardboard um and that's because the flowers in most gluten-free products have not been balanced and it does taste like cardboard um so yeah it's very disheartening so i'd say just be persistent and don't get your hopes up and start with stuff that's easy nice good advice yeah um i've tried like i've tried um a gluten-free brownie uh, recipe nice. and it tasted good but like if it, it was it turned out kind of like a cake like it didn't really s- like stick like do you remember stick. what the flour blend was used... what how much baking powder or soda you used uh i don't remember how much baking soda or, or soda or powder but i used brown rice flour for it. just brown rice yeah oh okay and what was your egg replacer i used um what did i use for that I think I used the flaxseed. Okay, flaxseed yeah. for brownies is a really good one. Um, I like. I think it's second best for brownies. Compared, like in my opinion, it's a really good one. It holds moisture. It helps the treat together. But just using brown rice flour is not going to be the best brownie. Um, I could see probably if if you like honestly for brownies, there's a lot of that go into it. It could be the amount of fat that you. What oil did you use? I right. use coconut oil. 
okay, coconut oil is good, but the amount of coconut, what's sugar? Sorry, I'm asking all these questions. Okay. All these things play a factor into making your brownie. Uh, it's okay. I think I use brown sugar. Or, okay, you use brown sugar. Okay, good. Or, um, or, uh, what's it called? Cane sugar. One of those two. I can't okay, remember. Okay, if you use cane sugar, that could probably be why. Um, if you use fine brown sugar, then the cakey piece could be the fact that you didn't use enough sugar. Um, if you use cane sugar, though, cane sugar has a very, because, you, you know, cane sugar is kind of, like, really granular and kind of that are really big compared to like white sugar and us like the surface area of a cane sugar grain actually helps or, like people sugar from retaining as much water as like a refined sugar and that retention of water that sugar provides is what gives that fudge um mm-hmm. other than eggs yeah like so sugar in general like uh there's a lot of different sugars that can cause a lot of different effects of to your bacon and so cane sugar in my opinion isn't my favorite like organic cane sugar i like to use the refined stuff or maple syrup but again like it's all about ratios and then just brown rice flour on its own yuck i would like yeah that's not a good (laughs) recipe to use (laughs) i actually don't use rice flour at all in my brownies so you 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 mix your your flours you say yes we do. Oh. So uh, we have baking mixes. Like, I think, I, I don't know if you're familiar with Betty Crocker, but, or like, very, they, they have something from the 50s. Basically, it's like a, an easy throw in some water or an egg or some butter, and you can make a cake or you can make a, you know, a brownie or cookies. Like, baking mixes are a huge part of 1950s and 60s culture. Um, and so we made baking mixes because there are gluten-free ones that exist, but oftentimes gluten-free ones aren't vegan. They contain egg albumin or buttermilk powder or uh, some sort of protein that's not vegan or baking these are not gluten-free and the flour blends are very good. So um, basically they're the, our baking mix is the exact same to use in our baked goods. Same deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've just bagged them up for you to make them at home. Uh, and so our blends of flours are based off of the flours that I've been using since I started doing gluten-free. So like our brownie blend is a combo of chickpea flour, sorghum, tapioca, potato, and almond flour. Interesting. Like those, and all those flours are there for Whereas my cake, uh, it's a flour blend completely. Cakes are typically brown rice, white rice, um, tapioca, in there there's a lot of potato starch like it, it depends the ratios are all different for every tree oh, wow so a lot of so, math like, goes into it eh yeah it's chemistry for hungry people that is what baking is <laughs> wow. lots of math lots <clears throat> of chemistry it's a lot of understanding ingredients and what they do in a baked good and then how they interact with other ingredients um just starting i just launched the intro for it i'm doing an eight-part series on my youtube channel on uh how to bake anything vegan um i'll do one for gluten-free later but basically i'm going to outline um basically the rules in baking in terms of how recipes developed you know talking about fats and emulsifiers and flours flavors and we're going to talk about what the, the purpose of them of these ingredients are in traditional baking uh what's not vegan about a lot of them and then how to substitute based on your recipe. And I'm hoping in this series I can really, you know, help people understand that vegan baking, you know, can be hard. But if you understand what the ingredients are, it's actually pretty easy. Um, but you have to understand right. first. Right. Right. A lot of chefs don't understand why. Like a lot of even professional chefs, they don't understand the why of what they're doing. Um and they just do it because it works. But when you're going into the realm of alternative, allergen-free, vegan, plant-based baking, there are no rules. It's a whole new realm. So we have to really understand the ingredients generally in own right, and then they have to their ingredients to be able to fully bake something that's really good. Hmm. When does that series come out? I just launched the uh, intro video yesterday. Oh, okay. So yesterday wouldn't make any sense. So on January, um, I launched the initial intro video on January 18th, and it's going to be for eight January 18th. 
So by the time this podcast is probably up, uh, you will already be on my YouTube channel. Oh, sweet. Okay, I definitely have to stay tuned for that because, yeah, as I said, I'm 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 still new, fairly new, um, and I don't have any knowledge of like the purpose of different different ingredients so yeah it'll definitely be a learning experience for me yeah i hope so definitely tune in um <laughs> and if you have any questions specifically comments on either our instagram put it or on the youtube video itself just like if you have any specific questions i've been asking people to do that who follow me uh, or in different facebook groups so i can make sure that it's tailored towards what you're actually interested in instead of me just you know i like to ramble so me rambling on about yeah for sure yeah i'll definitely do that i'm excited thanks <laughs> yeah baking is very interesting i i i you can be you can nerd out on it so. um, <laughs> and I, I i don't know everything either i just know the basics and i can i'm hoping i can just touch on enough to help give people more confidence to venture out and you know do their own r&d and you know things hmm. This is amazing. I'm getting <laughs> so excited inside. Oh, okay. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm excited too. I'm literally like dancing around my office now as I talk. So. <laughs> wow. So, um, the next question I have, um, I remember. Sure. Uh, I think it was last week or a couple of weeks ago. I was just on your website and I was looking at you had this tab where it included like your rewards and your accomplishments. And I was just uh-huh. like, wow, this girl, oh my gosh, she's just shining. Thank you. Um, in December 2016, you were the Entrepreneur of the Month, Best Presentation in the Toronto Vegan Bake Off, uh, April 2017, Speaker for Women in Entrepreneurship, um, and then September 2017, Hamilton Award for Influence on the City Economic Growth. Uh, platinum winner of best vegan raw cuisine in Hamilton in October and uh, Uh best professionally craft gluten-free goodie in March 2018 those ones really stuck out to me and I was just wondering if you could share like what it was like receiving these awards for sure yeah Mm. it's been pretty incredible to uh you know from the onset be able to you know, show my work and see it appreciated by many people on that level. I'll touch on, um, I'll touch on the, I'll touch on two awards, mainly the ones I've won for the Toronto Vegan Bake Off, which I've won two categories, two, and then I've won, uh, and I'll talk about the Hamilton Award for uh, influence on the Hamilton economic development as well, too. Uh, I'll start off with Bake Off, though. Toronto Vegan Bake Off, I highly suggest you do it. Um, it is a uh, fundraising event for the Toronto Viet Vegetarian Association. It's been happening for 10 years. Oh, wow. uh, they haven't announced this year yet. I'm sure it'll come out soon. Um, but it's basically a giant baking competition. That's It's a bake-off. Uh, you enter your bake goods. You make 100 samples. For the professionals, you make 200 samples of this bake good. They get put on plates, you pay $10. Uh, to go and people will come and like tons of people come and you basically just go in and you eat a whole bunch of treats and then you vote on your favorite one and then judges too who will actually judge the professionally crafted treats and the best of the best for the amateur categories because anybody can enter Bake Off and uh, there's lots of amazing prizes and it's just a really fun day and lots of dessert which is my favorite part about it um so like yeah i have just doing bake off but i uh first year i entered i won best presentation in the professional category well actually best presentation overall that's an overall award so amateur and pro and that was for um our lavender lemon shortbread cookies Ooh. our lavender lemon shortbread cookies they're just so good uh, like an oreo about the size of an oreo uh which is a gluten-free obviously a shortbread cookie that we have dyed purple with um, ube, which is a purple sweet potato from primarily popular in the Philippines. It's got a really nice sweet, sweet nutty taste. It's very neutral. And then we put in some lavender essential oil to give it that nice lavender flavor. Oh, wow. um, and then we have a yellow lemon cr- like cream cheese cream that's in the middle. 
and that is uh, like our cream cheese frosting that has been colored with turmeric and some more lemon. Uh, it's a combo of lemon extract and uh, lemon oil um, to make it. And we won because it's a beautiful cookie, and uh, we presented it like I made like a um, a Oreo cookie box, like the same branding, kind of like Oreo, but we changed it to be pink and dolled up and then oh, had cool. a cookie on it <laughs> and I'll, I'll just send you a picture of it. it i still have it it's really really cool presentation and so we won because overall it was just beautiful and yeah so that was that one and then last year we won bake off for best gluten-free goodie in the professional category um which i was super excited about we made this treat that i like to call the blonde bombshell it is a snickerdoodle so it's like a cinnamony vanilla brownie uh, so there's no chocolate in it but it's a blondie and then it's covered in uh popcorn and marshmallows and mm. a coconut sticky caramel candy um and some maldon like sea salt so you've got a little kick of salt with like chewy caramel and then crisp popcorn and like goopy marshmallow and then a little cinnamon with a fudgy base it's so good such a good treat and so yeah we won for that which i was like yeah we did. I, I was actually kind of nervous we weren't going to win because that category was so good. Everybody on that plate was just like, I, I seriously thought we had, wouldn't have won. There was this blueberry tart on there that was, in my opinion, amazing. And uh, some other amazing treats there too. And I just, I did not think we were going to win. So when we won, I was over the moon wow. because, you know, I put a lot of effort into that treat and to be able to stand out amongst my peers like in that regard I was really proud of our accomplishment so definitely you should uh, be yeah yeah that's making me very hungry Uh, (laughs) (laughs) like I need to go bake something after this conversation (laughs) you should girl you should always be baking always So that was bake, do bake off though keep your head peeled anybody who's listening to this bake off happens in March actually so if you can't enter it then go and be there if you're in Toronto like look up Toronto Vegetarian Association totally fabulous vegan bake off do it mm. it's so fun um uh and then the other awards the Hamilton Awards so I entered a so in Hamilton we have a competition called Lion's Lair which is basically Dragon's Den but instead of it being a national thing on television um it's a local thing on television and uh instead of you know having your business being taken away from you with investors uh you win prize and the prize uh pool is usually around like 150 to 180 thousand dollars of cash for in-kind prizes and uh it's more than like a pitch competition where you go show your stuff it's a growth opportunity so they have a lot of mentorship and coaching and training to help you prepare for the pitch you know working on your business plan what are your goals what are you going to use the money for um how are you influencing the hamilton economy like how do you plan on growing five years like all these business pieces that through our training for the lion's lair pitch i learned which were absolutely invaluable and then being able to do the pitch itself with a judges that were judging are local entrepreneurs that have really done well like the the founder and ceo of car star uh, he's a hamiltonian um one of the founders of mabel's labels which is a huge multi-million dollar company uh from well um also was judged uh, will be partners and heads of meridian credit union or not meridian credit or was it meridian I think it was Meridian. Anyways, there's big people who were judging, and it was it was really fun. Um, got to be on TV. There's a big gala award ceremony, and so the Hamilton Award is it's there's first, second, third, and there's the Hamilton Award and the People's. Um, and so the Hamilton Award is for the company out of the bunch of people who've made it to the top ten that best represents Hamilton's economic growth and development, and all the companies that are in Lions Lair are from Hamilton. And okay. so, um, yeah, I won that award, which was incredibly humbling because, you know, I, I at that point when I did Lion Flair, I'd only been in business for like a year and a half at storefront yet. Um, I, do, I was just doing wholesale. I had my baking mixes. But to be able to 
for the judges to see that potential in Dolls Desserts as a company that's really going to impact the Hamilton economy, that's really contributing to it already, is, you know, it's really, you know, eye-opening, but also humbling to be part of that mm-hmm. and be recognized for that. Um, so it, it just makes me love my city even more. Uh, so, yeah, that's the Lion's Lair Award thing. Wow. I mean, yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> I'm like speechless. Like to be Thank recognized, to be recognized by your city, like on that level, that's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, I agree. I, it was really special, and I still that is a really big achievement, especially being such a small business and starting being so young. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So, just wrapping up our conversation here. What's some advice you could give to people who are interested in becoming an entrepreneur within the vegan um, in- baking industry or food industry? Vegan food. It's like I was saying uh, to you before. Um, I'd say figure out what you're good at um, in food and be really good at that niche and just own it and just get out there and start your business now. Start working on it. Um, and get out there and do it, uh, get out in the public, get feedback and create a product that's really special because right now, especially with how food trends are going, veganism is here to stay. It is such a rapidly growing market sector that it's starting to almost become not like, you know, fringe, it's becoming pretty mainstream being plant-based. And so I'm starting to see in trends in general that, you know, a lot more of the bigger corporations are picking up on it. And so if your product is not something that's super new and exciting or wonderful, um, or you have a lot of money to get it out there, it's really competitive. Mm-hmm. It's starting to get competitive. So you have to make sure that you're doing something that's like killer and really like going to knock people's socks off. And, that, and that's for any product in general and just being an entrepreneur, like whatever you're, pro- whatever you're selling a product or service, make sure you're the best because if you're just mediocre, then you're not going to make any sales. Right. Um, and always be like constantly improving and learning from your peers and collaborating with your peers. Don't be in a silo. Uh, learn from everybody else and help other people and be helped by other people because that's the only way you'll really grow as an entrepreneur. Is by being in community. Well said, yeah. How about um, tips or advice in regards to like marketing and like promoting stuff on social media? Um. Oh God, this is like <laughs> the bane of my existence. Uh, <laughs> the main thing that I'm going to tell people straight up right now: I'm very lucky. My partner Michael, he um he works in advertising and is a, a little bit of a, a go-getter, well-awarded advertising and marketing kind of guy. So I had a leg up when it came to branding and helping establish myself as somebody who's legit. Uh, so if you have somebody who's like that, use them. But most people don't have that. And professional marketing and advertising can be very, very expensive. Like you're talking for just a brand, like anywhere between 25 to $30,000 just for like a logo and you know, your brand scheme, but like not from a small shop to not even like a proper big shop. Mm-hmm. So, um, the biggest thing I could say to somebody when they're coming to marketing and advertising is consistency. Um, even if you're starting like small or you're big, putting out content that is related to one true value or theme that you're all about and keeping everything looking really clean or if your brand isn't clean then not clean but like whatever your your vision or your voice is like projecting that everything you put out and making sure that you put things out often create new content constantly always consistently put out stuff like if you're gonna have a youtube channel Make sure you're putting out a video every week and post that video at the same day, at the same time, every week, even if you're not getting traction on it. Because the algorithms of, you know, social media today are out to get you. And if you're not on top of it, you're not going to beat through the algorithm to reach new organic reach. It's just not possible. Um, So consistency is key. Hmm. Well said. That's good. Good to know. Yeah, consistency. What if you're posting on Instagram too? 
make sure you're posting daily, uh, which is really hard to do. So at least post like two or three times a week. Don't just like post randomly. Post at good times if you're on there. And be yeah, be consistent with your messaging too. Don't just like one day post a picture of your dog and then the next day treats. <laughs> like figure out what your theme is and what you're all about, your brand, your mission statement, your voice, and then stick to it. As you're like sharing these these tips, I'm thinking in my head like, oh, I could do this or. Uh-huh. I'm sure there's lots of things you can do. I'm still learning about this all of this too. Like when I started, I was so not consistent at all. And then I had a sit down with Michael and like this time last year and he was like, Okay, you need to you need to become more consistent with your brand and your messaging and how you're putting things out there. And and within the last year, like you'll you can see on my Instagram, like everything's very pink, everything's very um on brand, the voice is very much related to what we're all about with empowerment and confidence, um, everything, and the consistency is there. So, yeah, you definitely have my juices flowing for sure. Good, um, I'm glad. Yeah. I hope so. Like, I, conversations are supposed to help people think. Yeah, yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time to just come on my show and to chat. Like, I've definitely, of course, <laughs> learned a lot. Oh, wow. Thank you for giving me the space to ramble and talk and share all this information I have inside of me. I'm so happy to share it with people, and I believe in the spirit of collaboration. So helping that, I've been helped by so many other entrepreneurs, and if I can help anyone with their entrepreneurial journey or you know their vegan journey or whatever, then I'm happy. So thank you for having this and asking me to be part of it. And that concludes episode 27, Dolled Up Desserts, with Katerina from Hamilton, Ontario. If you are interested in her products, you can order her baking kits at dolledupdesserts.com. And her YouTube channel is Dolled Up Desserts as well, so you can check her out there and um, tune into her new series of how to bake anything vegan. And also, if you're interested in following her on Instagram, her account is Dulled Up Desserts Baking. I will definitely link all this information in the episode description box so that you could just click and it'll be easy for you to find her. Also, stay tuned for part three of the Mind Your Business series where I interview Amandala of Bartholomew Sisters. Thank you so much for listening and take care.